The Green Bay Packers are nine and three. It's a beautiful day. Cry, Eagles, cry. Let's hit it. Brother to Brother Podcast. Brother to Brother Podcast, indeed. And <laughs> the, uh, the looks on some faces here are pretty incredible. Uh, we're a little slap happy, guys. Uh, the Packers are nine and three. It's a beautiful thing. The Packers have beaten the Philadelphia Eagles thirty to sixteen to move to nine and three on the season. They are within a win and a Minnesota Vikings loss next week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of clinching their second straight NFC North title under Matt Lafleur. But obviously, we've got bigger fish to fry here. I am your host. I am Jacob Westendorf. I am live here in the Game On Wisconsin studios, and I am excited to be here with another win. Uh, obviously these are much more fun after wins than they are after losses. I, I very much more enjoy those. And after spending what felt like my entire week at work, a, a Packers win was most definitely needed to cap off a, a bit of a rough week. I am joined as always, as the title of this podcast always would suggest, and uh, that would be my brother, Adam, who is currently fighting through. He is down with the sickness. <laughs> and I love being able to use that hot key. So I am appreciative. It's, it's kind of weird. I don't root for anybody to get COVID obviously, but I try to look on the bright side of things. And if there is a bright side, I guess it's that I can use that, but we're appreciative that you're feeling better and that uh, you'll be getting well. Uh, we hope very soon, but Adam, how are we feeling? Well, better than what I was earlier in the week. That's for sure. I'm just, as I said earlier to you, though, Jake, I'm just sad that I can't use my my punchline anymore of Rona free since 93. But, you know, it's kind of over now. Um, but, you know, good game to watch. Uh, got a little sloppy there towards the end, uh, a little little sketchy, as as some would say, but we'll get into that. Uh, we have a uh, a our first guest um, with us this week, uh, someone that uh, Jake knows from from school uh, up in Green Bay. Jake, you can take the honors in introducing our new guest. Yeah, my original podcast partner. And it's actually interesting that you use a How I Met Your Mother reference because that's something that we kind of bonded over a little bit and while we were in college. The series finale we watched together at his duplex once upon a time, one of the worst endings in the history of television, not as bad as Dexter, but not a good, I shouldn't say one of the, well, this isn't a, how I met your mother podcast, but it wasn't a good ending. Let's just say they didn't stick the landing for those of you that watched how I met your mother, but reviving a little bit the wet, I believe we called it the wags and West world of sports or something like that. Uh, back in college, once upon a time, we were once called, uh, by Barack Obama in the middle of the show. <laughs> so that true. was fun. That was fun. Uh, joined by Aaron Wagner, and you could follow him on Twitter at Aaron Wagner. Is there an underscore in there? There is after after my last name. Yeah. Okay, so Aaron Wagner underscore, and with Aaron Rodgers throwing his 400 touchdown pass today, we had to bring in another Aaron. So Aaron, welcome to the show. And how are we doing? I mean, I'm doing great. You know, this is kind of turning the clocks back to, like you said, we started. In a small little room on campus, uh, I think we had a logo made in like clip art, and uh, yep. you've definitely uh, have taken it to a next level. But I'm feeling great because, I mean, after a year or two away from you know people speculating that Rogers and Coach Maddie would not get along, I'd say they're the best quarterback coach tandem in the league right now. So I feel great. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes certainly might have an argument about that, but I mean, I, your point is, your point is taken and a fair one. Uh, I certainly enjoy the, and I'm using a Matt LaFleurism by using the word certainly there. So uh, I certainly enjoy watching a uh, I, I always love when Roger sticks things to the critics because he is not shy about it at all. Um, when anything goes the way, cause he reads everything. And if he tells you he doesn't, he's lying. He knows everything that he who must not be named from Fox Sports 1 on Undisputed has said about him in the past. 
He knows all the crap that Colin Cowherd has said about him, all that stuff. He's not oblivious to any of that stuff. So I love it. I'm happy to be here. But yes, Aaron, welcome. Welcome to Thunderdome, bitch. Welcome to the show. And uh, we're happy to have you here as, as our first guest. So uh, and we were reserving for somebody across the pond, but uh, timing is is a bit of a bitch for that. And uh, I can imagine. it's probably like 4 a.m. over there right now. I feel bad. <laughs> Between that and like, they keep flexing every Packers game. So like, we're like, he's like, if they have a noon game, that's great. Well, then I looked at the rest of the schedule <laughs> and the Packers don't play another noon game until the last game of the season. Now with them flexing the lions game to a three twenty-five next week. So unfortunately that's just the world that we live in. Being a good team has uh, some perks, but it also has some downers, I guess, in terms of having to play in those later time slots. But today was one of those, the three twenty-five kickoff. The game started, uh, the Eagles drove down the field, if you will, and kicked the field goal. They had their drive extended by what I thought was kind of a, we'll call it questionable, holding penalty on Jandon Sullivan. Uh, at minimum, it was a very late flag, but they get a field goal out of it. The Packers then have one of the most awe-inspiring first series of the game with a dropped pitch, a sack, and a, a dump off to Aaron Jones that essentially is just to set up a punt. And everybody, of course, as, as Twitter is prone to do, uh, they handled that in a very calm and reserved manner. And, you know, that's just how things were. Well, then you blinked and the second quarter starts and the Packers do what they do. They turn things on. They outscore the Eagles 20 to nothing over the next three quarters. Aaron Rodgers throws three touchdown passes, two of them to Devontae Adams, one of them to a wide open Robert Tunyon. And let's start there, guys. Aaron Rodgers, touchdown number 400. He gets there without getting to 100 interceptions, which I still can't believe we were having conversations at one point that Rodgers needs to put the ball at risk, quote unquote, more and put the ball in harm's way more as if it was a bad thing that he didn't throw interceptions. And it was like a thing of like at least not to because it seems like obviously we make those comparisons. At least Favre would try was like one of the anecdotes that you would get is like Rogers just won't even put the ball up or something. I don't know. It was all weird, but let's reflect a little bit just on what we've been fortunate enough to witness over the last you know, 12 years with touchdown number 400 today. Of course it goes to Devonte Adams. That's fitting. Uh, Devonte has now caught touchdown number 200 and 400. Maybe he'll be around long enough to catch number 600 here. If, if Rogers is fortunate enough to throw that many in green Bay. So let's just reflect a little bit, Adam, just your thoughts on, Aaron Rodgers reaching that milestone in Green Bay and getting there without without having thrown 100 interceptions. I was literally just scrolling through Twitter trying to find it because I saw it after the game. But when quarterbacks X, Y, and Z, I think it was Breeze, Manning, Favre, Brady, when they threw their 400 touchdown pass, they were all up close to 200 interceptions, and Aaron Rodgers is only at 88. That's insane. Uh, yeah, for the for the people saying that he needs to uh, put the ball into danger and take more risks and you know try to thread the needle, why? So he can give the other team a possession. I mean, you saw what that did in Tampa Bay. It didn't work out very well. So why do we want to give the other team possessions? He's the most talented passer of the football that we've seen, other than Patrick Mahomes. I mean. And Patrick Mahomes is only three years in, four years in. So he's special. Uh, Packer fans are definitely spoiled because they're going from Hall of Fame quarterback in Brett Favre to now an even better quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. Uh, it's just, it, it's a great thing to watch. It, if they line up on Thursday, Saturday, because they have a Saturday game coming up against Carolina, Sunday or Monday, it just doesn't matter. It's it's the best time of the week because you get to sit down and watch number 12 go to work. Yeah, it's been a privilege for all that time, and it's something that's strange to think back because obviously all of us, right around the same age, grew up watching Brett Favre. I remember the first time I heard the promo after – uh, Favre had been traded to the Jets, and the promo for Fox was Rodgers and the Packers. And I was like, man, that just sounds weird. Like, that doesn't sound right. My whole life, it's been Brett, like Brett Favre was the Packers. And now, not only do they have another Hall of Fame quarterback, but like you mentioned, he's better. 
and he's been better in every facet. And, you know, somebody made the, I think it was Packer Ranter made the comment the other day on the tweet machine, something along the lines of, would you have rather drafted Roddy white in the position that they've drafted Aaron Rodgers to give him another weapon to try and get Brett Favre a second Super Bowl, but knowing it passed on Aaron Rodgers. And I made the joke of like, no, because Favre would have just thrown the season away anyways, as he was prone <laughs> to do by the end of that point in the season. So, um, but it's true. Like the Packers have lost in postseason games that Aaron Rodgers hasn't played particularly well in, but I've never <clears throat> felt like I'll, I know for a fact I can go into a game and I know that Aaron Rodgers is not throwing six interceptions and just flat out losing the game that way from the start. And, you know, maybe there were some wrong routes run by some receivers or whatever, but like you can't justify six interceptions no matter what way you try and slice that. Aaron Rodgers is better. You can make your arguments for Favre about entertainment value or whatever, and that's fine. But there's no question for me that that 12 is the better player. Aaron, he's your namesake. So I think he was named after you, if even though you were born after him, I think that's how that yeah. worked. But yeah, I think I think his parents just had great vision of you know what was to come after him. Um, no, like Adam said, spoiled. I mean, we truly are. Just think, today he threw his four hundredth touchdown pass, and like Adam said, only eighty eight picks. He's like the quickest to get to four hundred, and we just kind of shrugged that off. Like, yeah, that's expected. That's who Aaron Rodgers is, and like. Right or wrong, that's that's what we do. But uh, to like your your point about Favre and the entertainment value, I, I get that. I do like Favre was definitely entertaining, but Rogers is just as entertaining, if not more, because he's running around doing the same things. He's actually throwing them for touchdowns and nine interceptions. So, right. You know he he doesn't throw those you know the balls up into triple coverage, but. He's on the run, throwing across his body, you know, throwing some crazy passes that no one else in the league can do. And that's just as entertaining. So um, it's just, it's cool. It's, you know, we're spoiled. Hopefully, not that we have to talk about, you know, the next 10, 15 years, but the next guy has the most pressure to come, even more so than Rodgers. So bless his heart. Yeah, good luck. I, <laughs> I don't know that I would wish that. No. On a lot of people, the point I've always made is when Favre threw the ball and the camera panned, I knew <laughs> maybe it was to one of our guys, <laughs> but it might be to one of their guys too. When Rogers throws the ball and the camera pans, it's probably one of our guys or the pass is going to be incomplete. And, you know, I think that this season has been very fun to watch just because Rogers looks like a different player. He looks rejuvenated, which is strange because you know, last year the Packers were winning games and Rodgers looked like he was having fun, but he wasn't playing as well. And I know, you know, people will point to his touchdown interception ratio and that's all fine and good. And people will, you know, have their tweets and stuff that say, imagine thinking this guy was washed up. Well, I don't know that anybody actually thought he was washed up and couldn't play anymore. Like he wasn't good anymore. However, I think you can watch a couple of games last year and wonder if maybe MVP level Aaron Rodgers was gone. I think that was fair to wonder. And I think the Packers even wondered it to some degree. That's part of the Jordan Love selection, right? I'm sure at least part of that goes into that evaluation of thinking maybe he's starting to decline a little bit. This year, MVP level. I don't know if he'll win the MVP. Um, I think it was Adrian Amos said Aaron Rodgers is like LeBron from the standpoint of he's just so good and we just expect it. Like there's things that, and LeBron is that way. You know, there's things he does that he makes things look so easy on the basketball court that we're just like, Oh, you know, whatever. Aaron Rodgers does that too. Like the touchdown pass last week against Chicago to Alan Lazard. That's not normal. Like quarterbacks don't do that. And Rodgers, it's just like a flick of the wrist and it's simple and it looks easy, but it's not. Like stuff like that is not simple and he makes it look easy and we're fortunate. Like I said, to have him and another guy that is really fortunate to be on, be on our side today was really about the Packers, you know, trio. And you start with that and then you go to Devonte Adams, 10 catches, a buck 22 touchdowns. He got the Packers first touchdown to kind of get them rolling. It was a fourth and one, some really strong hands at the point. And then he catches the 
400 touchdown and then <laughs> presents the ball to Aaron Rodgers like it's like it was a piece of treasure, which was kind of cool, which was funny because James Jones said something like, way to know the moment or whatever, because if you guys don't remember, James Jones in Atlanta in 2011, he caught Rodgers' 100th touchdown pass, and then he chucked it into the upper deck. <laughs> Didn't realize it was his 100th touchdown pass, and he was like, know the moment or something like that. I thought that was pretty funny. But Adams is a legitimate star. He had another big game today. He's been the safety blanket all season. The Packers, again, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different receivers. Uh, nobody other than Adams with more than four catches. But ultimately, I mean, the Packers scored 30 points. If they don't win the Super Bowl this year, I am very confident that it's not going to be because of their offense. And one of the big reasons that people might say it could be because of their offense is because of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Two targets today, zero catches, zero yards. Didn't have a catch last week. Actually, had no targets last week. And he had a big drop to start the third quarter today. And that's just kind of the experience with him. And MBS is going to be kind of the, the guy that, you know, the group that said, oh, they had to draft a receiver in the draft. Or they had to add a weapon of some sort. And then, like, that's the guy that everybody points to every time something like that happens. And here's the point that I'm going to make. Could the Packers have used somebody to upgrade from MVS? Yes. Do the Packers have a really good offense that includes MVS in it? Yes. Has MVS made some really nice plays in during the season? Yes. Do the Packers have a really good offense, and is that going to be the reason, the biggest reason they win a championship? Yes. Can we stop worrying so much about something that happened eight months ago and appreciate the fact that the Packers have a nine and three team that is a Super Bowl contender with an MVP quarterback instead of worrying so much about who was right about this situation? Because also, who cares? Who cares who's right? If the Packers win the Super Bowl this season, are you really still going to be? I, I promise you, there still will be. People hung up on the fact that the Packers drafted Jordan Love instead of Michael Pittman or named well, the receiver. They didn't win the Super Bowl by 45 points. They only won it by 35 points because they took Jordan Love in the first round, and they took AJ Dillon in the second round. You know that's going to be the that's going to be the talking points, Jacob. Come on now. I mean, you well, got to know better than this. I just can't picture caring so much about being right that you're going to ignore the fact that this is such an injury. Because I promise you guys, go back and watch the 2018 team. That team was not fun to watch. It's the same damn quarterback. Some of the same weapons on the team. It was not a fun team to watch. I was there. I remember it. This team is fun. It's enjoyable. I hope it's something that you guys realize and you understand that the Packers very easily after 2018 could have gone the other direction and been the Detroit – well, maybe not Detroit because they've been rebuilding since 1957. <laughs> but one of those purgatory kind of teams that are just never good. Very easily could the Packers have been something like that. Instead – They've won the North. They won the North last season at 13-3, and three, and they're in position now to clinch the NFC North potentially next week. So that's my thought on that. What are your guys – Aaron, I, I guess we haven't really talked. What were your thoughts in April? What are your thoughts as we've progressed eight months now? I mean, I'll be honest, like going into April, like you get in that, you know, two months before the draft, you're looking at, oh, we could draft basically any position, right? You're looking at every guy. You get closer, and it kind of turns into the Christmas effect where it's like what gadget do i really want like selfishly like oh i went into it like they need to grab two receivers in the first day or the first three rounds they obviously didn't and you're kind of you're puzzled a little bit you get the jordan love thing aj dylan thing but at the end of the day that that told me that in year two that lafleur and rogers and everyone well they're not rogers uh the coaching staff felt good about what they had and um, people forget too that they they did sign uh, Funches in the offseason, right? And you know, not saying he's a world class receiver, but he definitely would have helped this team, right? He'd be there two or three right now. So yeah, it's easy to look back and see uh, you know what, what Jefferson's doing in Minnesota, and you know the the Eagles receiver today. But like you said, they're the they're putting up thirty points a game. So unless your defense is that bad, but it's not as bad as those those Gunter days where it's just like if he's our number one, we are 
shit out of luck. So, yeah, it's it's one of those hindsight things. And the easiest way to shut everyone up is just win it. Simple as that. Well, I guess there's only one thing left to do. And you guys that have seen Major League knows what Jake Taylor says after that. Adam, what are your thoughts on – we've talked about this before, but just kind of the offense as the whole and maybe MVS's day specifically. Well, I'm just going to touch on the, the draft thing one more time is – they realistically did not have a chance to get any receiver they wanted unless they wanted to right. mortgage the complete future. The Packers just don't do that. They, they've been extremely cautious and smart ever since I've been alive. Uh, can you name a big name trade that they've ever, you know, really done to give up next year first or, you know, give up this player for that. I they mean, offered both first for Khalil Mack. Well, and, and again, though, that's for a high profile player. The Raiders were smart to think that, Hey, this team has Aaron Rodgers. This team has Mitch Trubisky. Let's give them <laughs> to the team with Mitch Trubisky instead of Aaron Rodgers. Cause those picks are probably going to be higher. Yeah, they've probably they've made their swings, but when it comes to the actual draft day, I know they've made moves to move up, especially for Darnell Savage. They were at 30 and moved to 21 to take him. Um, and that's kind of the same thing that uh, the biggest trade they've made that I can think of, not to cut you off, but is for Clay Matthews in 2009. Uh, yeah. And that's a totally different regime, too. I mean, that was Ted Thompson pulling the trigger there. I know kind Brian Guns <laughs> is from the tree and all that, but it is a different mind. Um, but when it comes down to it, like, yeah, I know that they basically made the same trade for Darnell Savage moving from 30 to, to 21. They didn't have the opportunity, though. They would have had to move up to 19 to get to Jacksonville spot. But what makes you think Jacksonville wanted to drop from 19 to 30? Philly wasn't going to move because they had their receiver of their choice on the board. And then at 21 is when Justin Jefferson was taken. Minnesota is not trading back with green Bay at that point. I mean, I know a lot of uh, talk was their guy was Brandon Ayuk and San Francisco jumped uh, green Bay for him. Okay. Yeah. You struck out on that. And then, you know, the rest is history. It is what it is. As for the offense today uh, and MVS, it's an MVS day. I mean, this was the, the bad MVS day. I mean, you just, you have to temper your expectations with him. You can't, I mean, I saw someone on Twitter just earlier say that it's, it's so stupid that Patrick Mahomes gets to throw 50 yards downfield to, to Tyreek Hill while Aaron Rodgers is praying that MVS can, you know, make a play. I mean, you're comparing a top wide receiver in the league to a fifth round pick who, I mean, has some decent skill sets, but isn't Tyree kill. I don't know. I mean, the last two weeks he's been quiet after a, you know, a Colts day where, you know, he had a, a, another mixed bag. You know, he had the, the big catch down the, down the middle of the field to set up the, the field goal drive, uh, descended into overtime. And then he fumbled last week, you know, no targets, didn't do anything. And then he had the big drop today, uh, for about 60 yards. What if he comes out next week against Detroit and scores an 84-yard touchdown or a 78-yard touchdown? You know, we've seen those things from him. It, it just is what it is at this point. He's just a total mixed bag, and you just have to say, okay, well, if he makes a play, good for him, and then just more than likely assume that he's probably not going to. And they're fine. Like, he does things that, for example, he does his 111th, to use a LaFleurism, blocking on the Aaron Jones touchdown run. He could sulk after a play like that and not do that, but he doesn't. He continues to play. I'm not saying MBS is a Hall of Famer. I'm not even saying he's a, a great player or even a good one. He's probably in this offense right now, like going into the offseason. I'll be doing this for game on, so you guys will have this to look forward to. Just an example of blue chips, red chips, and Brian Caribou used to call it blue chip, red chip, cow chip. But basically the idea of like, who are upgradable players who are great players on your team and who are some good players that you can upgrade from if the right kind of thing comes around. Like Jamal Williams is a good example. If the right kind of player comes around, then you can upgrade from that, but he's a really good player in the role that he's in. That would be a red chip kind of player. MBS is one of those guys that he's a cow chip, 
He's an upgradable piece, but there is a skill set that's useful there. He's fast. He's a deep threat. That is something that the Packers just simply don't have on the rest of their roster. And also, I can't believe I didn't mention this in the intro, but I do want to give my condolences because there is not a bigger fan in the world <laughs> of Tavon Austin than Aaron Wagner. Why, why wasn't he active today? Come on. Because he's been in Green Bay for three days. <laughs> the question I want the answer to is Tavon was signed on Monday, I think. Have you worn pants since? Uh, not, I mean, even the week before when I knew there were rumors, like when he was in town visiting, I knew it was a done deal even before he signed pen to paper. And so the answer is for the last two weeks, definitely not. Kudos. <laughs> All right. So that's our Tavon Austin bit. Yes. Inactive today. I expect him. Tyler Irvin left today's game with an ankle injury. I expect him to be active next week, returning punts and kickoffs. The Packers special teams just – it gives hey, me a headache. Just a quick question on MVS. Like, what what is his ceiling, right? Because I know and he's probably not the same as, you know, you go back to Devontae had problems with drops. James Jones had problems with drops. Jordy had problems with drops. And I know that's not the exact same skill set and such, but where where do you see that? Ted Ginn Jr. I live with that. Like, like he can make a couple plays for you. He'll probably disappear for a few weeks on end. He has some value as like that deep speed type of player, but ultimately you probably want somebody better than him without the return ability too, obviously. Honestly, you can make the the case that he's Kenny Stills. <laughs> I mean, you Kenny can make Stills that case. Is, yeah, but Kenny Stills has been much better in his yeah. career than MBS has. <sighs> He's much the same better. type of dude, man. Same type of dude, but Kenny Stills has been much better at being that type of person, player, well, excuse me, player well, than MBS. Sure, is. but he's also the same guy that will have two big weeks, and then for the next six, he disappears. I mean, I mean, the disappearing part is like, I mean, that's that's kind of a two-edged sword, right? How would it be with Aaron Rodgers? We don't know. You know, the thing about Kenny Stills is he's been a free agent for an entire week, and nobody else has signed him. So the NFL appears to have. An odd uh, opinion think, about him as well. I think he's also hurt too, though. I think he has he was he was hurt before Houston cut him. So uh I don't know. Obviously, I don't want to speculate on his, you know, injury or anything like that, but you know, obviously NFL insiders probably have an idea that he may be a little more banged up than what we know. So Yeah, that could be. I'll be interested to see if Green Bay is interested. Maybe not, but again, I it's one of those things that, again, if Green Bay loses in the playoffs, I really don't think it's going to be because of their offense. And they've lit up. This is their third good defense in a row that they've played, and they scored 30. Again, Philadelphia is not a shitty defense. That's a good defense. Chicago last week's a good defense. Indianapolis, they may as well have not even played the third quarter, and they still scored 30 points. They could score against whoever. Line them up against whoever. And that's with, quote-unquote, no weapons. So take that take and shove it somewhere. I'm tired of hearing about that. Yes, the Packers, I hope, add something to that room this offseason. But that I'm just I'm so tired of talking about it. The draft was eight freaking months ago. Let's I want talk to about play devil's advocate real quick. To oh, the people, Christ. to the people of, to the people of, you know, the Packers have no weapons and they need to add more talent, and they do, obviously. I mean, they, they do now with Austin, right? Oh yeah, no, oh, they got all the talent in the world. With that, was, that was a softball. Um, no, but my thing is this: why, why did they have to spread the ball around and have all these elite receivers when Devontae Adams can just get open at will? Don't you want all don't you want your best players to be touching the football? And and I get it. I get it. You can make the case of well, okay, good defense are, are going to take him away. Okay, they well, haven't. then why haven't they? I mean, the man has literally gotten 100 receiving yards in almost every game he's played in. I mean, I don't know off the top of my head, but he's on a ridiculous tear right now. So when people say, oh, Rodgers, when, when Devontae Adams plays, he locks in on him and only throws to him. That's baloney, by the way. I mean, it works, though. <laughs> he had 12 targets today. 
10 like 10 I mean, of yes. them were catches like who well, cares <laughs> when the play breaks down yes when Rodgers breaks the pocket there are certain players that he looks for but that's because those players are probably going to do what he expects them to do that's how broken plays work but it's not like he snaps the ball and goes where's Devontae? like overall though i mean get your best players the ball i i agree with that too also matt lafleur is putting the offense into the you know he's putting Devonte into the scheme to get him open. Matt LaFleur is smart. He wants to get the ball into Aaron Rodgers' hands and then into Devonte Adams' hands. I mean, I don't know why it's an issue of people thinking that, oh, he only wants to throw to 17. Well, guess what? It works, and they win football games. So who cares? Oh, I think the answer to your question is narrative-based analysis. It's no different than the Packers have the worst run defense in football. They actually rank 13th in the NFL against the run. Now, some of that is because of they score a bunch, so other teams have to throw the ball, and they're like, I think they give up like four and a half yards per carry. I'm not saying the Packers have a really good run defense, but it's not the worst in the NFL. They have the worst defense in the NFL. Well, no, they don't. I mean, they're trust me, watch some of these other teams try and play defense. It's They don't Seattle. have the playmakers like, Z and Preston Smith, who's playing better. We'll get to that in a minute. And Rashawn Gary and Darnell Savage and Jair Alexander, who might be the best corner in the NFL. And just no, it's, it's a, I think the answer to your question is narrative based analysis. And one person says, Oh, he's locking in on Devante. That has to be it. Why, why doesn't Drew Brees get the same hate then with Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas had 180 targets last year and 151 catches. I'm not hearing it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not, I don't care. The same reason that Drew Brees and Sean Payton don't get the same hate as Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy for only quote unquote, having one Super Bowl. Saints which, waste Drew Brees' career, which yeah, I don't care. Winning a Super Bowl is hard. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not criticizing them for only having one Super Bowl. I think it's a great accomplishment to win any. The Patriots made everything difficult. Let's move to the defense guys, because honestly, that was, in my opinion, the story of the day, if you take away and you can't do that, but if you take away Jalen Rager's punt return for a touchdown, which again, the Packers special teams just makes me want to vomit a missed PAT, a long kickoff return, a punt return for a touchdown. It's just been a disaster for, and it's funny because in the middle of the game, I was thinking like when they only had the missed PAT at that point, like, you know, the kick coverage has been better recently, and it was good last week against Chicago with Cordy Patterson, maybe turning a corner here. No, they haven't, and that's fine. Hopefully uh, special teams doesn't cost them a game. But the Packers today, seven sacks, four passes defense, 11 quarterback hits, Darnell Savage with a game ceiling, or, well, not really game ceiling, but an interception that allowed them to go into victory formation. You get into – Sacks. Preston Smith with a half a sack, and he had a, a hit on the quarterback, Jalen Hurts at the time, that allowed Darnell Savage to get an interception. Kingsley Kiki, two sacks. Rashawn Gary, one and a half. Zadarius Smith, one and a half. Raven Green gets half a sack. 11 quarterback hits between everybody. And granted, the Eagles' offensive line is garbage. Packers' pass rush is starting to dial it up a little bit. They only the Eagles only scored a touchdown on a fourth and 18, which was kind of a rough play. And that's where it gets a little frustrating, but you can't take everything away. But the Packers are two big plays, one on and really one on special teams away from giving up three points. Aaron, I'll start with you. What's your confidence level in this defense that they're starting to play better at the right time of the season? Oh, you got to feel very encouraged by it. And I think I'm going to answer your question by saying when the offense is gelling as it has been pretty much all season, if they get up to that, that lead, a 10 point, 14 point lead, you feel better about the defense being able to do what they like to do, right? It's rush the rush the quarterback and, you know, try to go for those turnovers, which earlier in the year, they were just, they weren't creating turnovers and granted sometimes that's, that's more luck than anything else, but when you're able to see, you know, the Smith bros and, and Gary pin the ears back and just after, actually go after the quarterback, you know, that means your your cornerbacks and your safeties don't have to cover as long. And that just everything translates from that. I just think it translates from 
Aaron, Aaron, and Devontae doing their thing on offense, getting them the, the lead and letting the defense, you know, kind of take it from there. I think the one concern is that, you know, the, the bend don't break kind of thing where it's, you know, they give up a lot of yards, but so far they haven't, uh, they haven't done anything other than the Colts game, anything too crazy on that, on that sense. And they didn't give up a lot of yards today. Looking at total yards, they gave up 278 yards from yeah. a passing standpoint, you know, looking at uh, some of the things that the Eagles were able to do on the offensive side of the ball. You know, they benched Carson Wentz, which is a bit of a story in and of itself. The Eagles, they ran 25 times for 117 yards, but some of that was Jalen Hurts ran five times for 30 yards and Carson Wentz three for 18. So for usually for us that are mathematicians here, that's eight carries for 48 yards right there. So they're below 100 yards that way. Miles Sanders, which everyone was worried about, 10 carries, 31 yards. Jordan Howard, which I just, I laughed my ass off last night looking through Twitter. Everybody worried like, oh my God, we're screwed. Jordan Howard got called up from the practice squad. Like guys, Jordan Howard is a corpse now. Like I know he's still young, but like he got cut by Miami. Nothing against the Miami Dolphins, obviously. They've had a really good season, but like, if he was good, they wouldn't have he wouldn't have been a free agent and just allowed to walk back to the Eagles that way. That's not how this works. So they held their running game in check relatively well. Again, the only the longest run against them was 13 and then 12, and both of those were by quarterbacks. They had an 11-yard reverse by Jalen Rager. I thought they handled their running game pretty well. From a passing game standpoint, Carson Wentz, six for 15, 79 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Four sacks, sacked four times, a QBR, 37.2, passer rating of 57.4. Jalen Hurts, which Tony Romo kept saying provided a spark. I think he said some variation of that about 57 times between the start of the when he came in and the end of the game. Jalen Hurts, 5 for 12, 109 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He was sacked three times. Quarterback rating, uh, or QBR, excuse me, 34.2. Quarterback rating, passer rating of 67.7. And a lot of those yard, a lot of his yards on the passing side of things came on a 32 yard touchdown to Greg Ward, which I kind of put more on Jair Alexander and Darnell Savage for playing bad defense on that play. So, I mean, yes, credit where it's due to Jalen Hurts. Ultimately, what I think is going to happen is he's going to get hyped up a little bit because he's different than Carson Wentz. But ultimately, if you look at this, he didn't play all that well. And he'll, if he starts next week, there'll be film on him, whoever the Eagles play, they'll beat him up and he'll suck. And they, everybody will just be like, Oh yeah, maybe the Eagles are just bad. But overall, I thought the Packers defense was actually really good today. This might be, I'm thinking off the top of my head, but this might be the best that their defense has played all season long. Ultimately on my, my thought is on the defensive side of the ball. I have the same game circled that the rest of you do 1227 against the Tennessee Titans and not just because of Derrick Henry, you know, cause if the, if the matchup is going to be Aaron Rodgers against the Titan, which if you guys didn't watch the Titans defense, the Titans defense is <laughs> rancid. They are the 32nd ranked defense in the NFL on third down. They're horrible. They have no pass rush. Their secondary is not very good. Their linebackers aren't very good. They don't stop much of anything. If the matchup is going to be okay. So the Titans can't stop Aaron Rodgers and the Packers can't stop Derrick Henry. Give me green Bay because the quarterback being the advantage is more important than the running back being the advantage. Now that doesn't mean green Bay is going to win every single time. It's, it's a game to game, but when you're looking at green Bay's defense against Tennessee, the Titans do have Corey Davis, who's pretty good. AJ Brown, who's awesome. Derek Henry, obviously John Smith, Ryan Tannehill's had a renaissance since being there. And then you have that, you know, matchup between Matt LaFleur and Arthur Smith and Mike Vrabel and just kind of that chess match from there. But that's the game I have circled because really Detroit is a defeated football team, you know, between them and the bears today, they had the battle of the boo-boos, like both of those teams suck. And like, there's just, there's nothing there for them. The Panthers, that's going to be Teddy Bridgewater in the cold. Christian McCaffrey will make a couple plays. They'll do some things on offense, but the Packers are going to win that game. I'm sure Brian Burns will have like three sacks in that game or something stupid like that because that's how that'll go. And that's fine. The Packers should win. Carolina's average. They're not anything special. And the Bears, well, I mean, you guys know the deal. The Bears suck, so that's fine. <laughs> the Titans, they're the, they're the only good offense that Green Bay is going to play down the stretch here. And they're the, I don't know if they're good or not. Like they have games where they look really good. And then they have other games where like today against Cleveland, where they, that game is not nearly as close to the final score says it is. And then you have the Colts game. 
They've played the Colts twice, once without DeForest Buckner, once without Danico Autry, and they won that game. King Henry obviously had a big day. But that's my thought on the defense is let me see it against the Titans. Ultimately, my thought is offense wins championships, so can the defense just be good enough? And I think that they can, and especially if you have Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary. Preston Smith's played really well the last two weeks. Rashawn Gary played really well today. He might have changed the entire – I think it was Matt Reynoldson said he changed the entire trajectory of the game at 3 to nothing. A sack and a pressure with Kingsley Kiki forces a punt instead of the Eagles getting a chance at a field goal or – another touchdown to make it 10 to nothing or something like that to where green base chasing points. He's been really good. Zadarius Smith is Zadarius Smith. He's incredible. And he's one of the best players on the, you know, in the entire league, let alone just on the team, Jair Alexander, Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos. I mean, they've got some dudes on defense and they're starting to play better. If they put it together at the right time, anything can happen guys. And this team's a contender and they're the two seed in the NFC for a reason. And I am not afraid of anybody. And we'll get to that in just a minute. Adam, what are your thoughts on this defense going down the stretch? One play you haven't mentioned yet was the, uh, the Preston Smith tracking down Miles Sanders. That was impressive for a big dude trying to track down Miles Sanders behind the line of scrimmage. Honestly. And that's a play he doesn't make earlier in the season. Yeah, honestly, I, I think that, I mean, we touched on it last week, Jacob, is he finally starting to get his legs underneath him? Maybe that is the case. Uh, I feel bad for Carson Wentz. That man has been sacked 51 times already. That's a lot. Uh, That's like chasing the record of David Carr. Like, (laughs) that's really bad. Philly's offensive line is in shambles, but guess what? The Packers took advantage of that today. Like, they should have. Like, they were supposed to. They had seven sacks. Um, Preston Smith building off of, you know, last week in Chicago. That's big. Rashawn Gary building off last week in Chicago. That's nice to see. Kingsley Kiki shows up. Hey, there's another defensive lineman that can maybe spell Kenny Clark when he needs a break uh, as an interior type rusher. Another guy I love to just like watch play, not necessarily that he's, you know, anything special or, you know, necessarily good, but is Kamal Martin in the run game. He could have lit up Miles Sanders on the first play of the game. Mm-hmm. Miles Sanders made a great move. Miles Sanders is a good player. Um, he he had the uh, same type of play uh, later on in the game where he shot a gap and took Miles Sanders down behind the line of scrimmage. I think as a downhill, I'm playing with my hair on fire. Kamal Martin is a, is a good type of player for that. Um, it also came out after the game, I guess, Zadarius, Preston, and Kenny Clark went uh, – <laughs> went into Mike Patton's offense and said, Hey, yo, let's simplify everything and just have us rush the passer, please. Well, they basically did that, but there was one play where I did see Zadarius in coverage at least, which I don't like at all, but whatever. No, but that is, I mean, it's a different blitz. Look, I get it. Well, that's the thing is on that play is like, they're blitzing from the other side. So like, it's kind of the old rule. If something's leaving, something's coming. So if they're sending from that side, they're trying to distract by, hoping the attention's on 55. They used to do it with Clay all the time when he was here too. Yeah, exactly. That's why, like, I mean, I don't like it, but I do understand it. Um, the back half actually looked really good today. They gave up two big plays. They had a they had a play to Dallas Goddard for about 30-some-odd yards where Darnell Savage slipped. Um, he also actually got baked, let's be honest. He thought he was 41. going out. 41, 32, and 34, which honestly, the 34-yarder to Rager – was more of a good throw. I thought it was more of a good throw by Jalen Hurts than it was poor yeah, coverage uh, by Kevin King. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the one to Goddard, uh, Savage, you know, I think he got he got a little tricked up there. Uh, he did fall. He did slip. But he thought Goddard was going out, and he broke back in. Uh, good play by them. And then, yeah, the Jalen Rager one. Uh, other than that, though, I think the back half played well, other than, you know, a few mishaps. The fourth and 18 obviously isn't. Something you want to hang your hat on, but you know, that is what it is. But I mean, the defense gave up 10 points today. I I know you, I know the final score says 16, but special teams is a disaster. Um, They need to really figure that out. They really need to focus in on that. Um, Other than that though, I mean, I give the defense a lot of credit for today. Yeah, I do too. And I think that, like I said, I think that's the story of the game. I know the game got close. The Eagles had a chance to tie the game. 
And they didn't because Zadarius Smith and, and Dean Lowry, honestly, with some good pressure. I know Dean Lowry, everybody likes to do a good chance of taking a shit on him whenever they get a chance to. And we don't give credit to those kinds of players, but Dean Lowry pushed the pocket and gave Z a chance to get a sack. That was a big point in the game. The Eagles punt and the Packers, Aaron Jones does what he does. And kudos to Aaron Jones. I know I've been, I don't think I've been hard on him. I've just pointed out the fact that he has one 100 yard rushing game all season. That number is now two after a big game today. So that was nice to see him. The Packers running game, they, it felt like they worked hard for their yards today. You know, Jamal Williams, five for 26. He averaged five yards carry. He had an 18-yard burst. Uh, the Packers ultimately 25 for 149. at six yards per carry. A lot of that due to the 77-yard touchdown run. So, guys, we are officially three-quarters of the way through the season. The NFC North is a formality at this point. If they if it can be clinched as soon as next week, if Green Bay beats Detroit and Minnesota loses to Tampa Bay, which I like the odds of both of those things happening, then the Packers will be NFC North champions for the second season in a row. Let's handicap. How do you feel about this team's chances to ultimately represent the NFC in the Super Bowl and hoist the Lombardi Trophy? And Aaron, you are our guest, so we will let you go first. I mean, it's it's a weird year, right? Where there's not that that one dominant team in the NFC that you're looking at, like, like last year it was the 49ers, right? Like they're just top to bottom better than anyone else. And this year you could see anyone, anyone do it. So yeah, the Packers have just as good a chance. I feel good about it. Um, But it's going to come down to your stars, right? If Rogers plays well, I like our chances, right? When, when have the Packers, you know, not, you know, not advanced when Rodgers played well. Like, that's always – that's kind of the theme, it seems. If, if Devontae can stay healthy – and I think for me – and I, I know I'm. it's kind of a shtick at this point with Tavon Austin, but really with him – and it, it can be a, a very small thing where I'm not expecting a Desmond Howard-type moment. And if we get that in the playoffs oh, I am. Super Bowl – Several. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's the expectation we're going we made, with? We made, we made a video, man. I don't know if you saw the video on our game on channel, but we were turning no. highlights oh, yeah, of, like, yeah. I did see that. of that into everything. We were trying to find old uh, Desmond clips from the 96 playoffs and turning them into – but those are harder to find on YouTube than you would imagine. Oh, so. Yeah, and if those big moments happen, that's great. But really, you know, the what separates a team, you know, from winning one playoff game to winning – two, three, and go to the Super Bowl are those, like, those seemingly small moments, right, where it's like if there's a minute, minute and a half left and they kick off or someone punts, rather than starting at the 25, if, if Tavon's able to bust one to get us to the 45, you know, it's those those little things that don't seem like a lot in the moment, but if that's able to turn into a three- or four-point swing, those are kind of the, the little details, the little, like, notes that I'm pretty optimistic about with him. And maybe I'm just drinking the Kool-Aid because, well, I think I mixed the Kool-Aid 10 years ago. But, uh, yeah, I feel I feel really good about it. Um, way better than, I think, last year. You know, last year I think we were kind of had that false confidence. But, like you said, I'm not afraid of anyone. So, let's do it. Yeah, when it comes to Tavon, I think – you know, the point that you can make is somebody said he's the Packers best returner since whoever. And I was like, that bar is set. Not very high. I mean, as far as a punt returner goes, you probably go back to what Micah Hyde, which I mean, with all due respect, Micah Hyde was good, but rookie Randall Cobb. I would say otherwise it's yeah. baby Randall Cobb. And I mean, we were talking about this a little bit with Tyler Irvin today with some of the guys is was Tyler Irvin really that good of a punt returner or was he just not a disaster? Like some of the other dudes they were throwing back there the last couple of years or last year, specifically when they moved between like Darius Shepard and Traymon Smith and a sprinkle of Josh Jackson and just some of the dudes they were throwing back there that would had the Packers literally at a net negative for punt return yardage. Tyler Irvin was literally able to run forward. And for that, I give credit. Tavon has some juice and, or he's, I should That's say, Tavon, yeah. Tavon had some juice. I don't know if he still has it, but he did at one point or another. And I do think that it's something that could be a big little deal, if you will. Right. Adam, That's a good way of saying it. I like it. Handicap this team three quarters of the way through. 
one one thing I want to want to touch on. You brought up the Aaron Jones seventy seven yard touchdown run, right? I want to see a David Bakhtiari sprint off with Aaron Rodgers now. <laughs> oh, I want to see oh. it. They were talking about it in Aaron's uh, post-game press conference, and uh, they actually had the next-gen stat for David Bakhtiari's sprint speed, and he was up to 16 miles an hour. That's impressive oh, for a big man. <laughs> so I'm all for it. I want to see a uh, I want to see a fullback dive with David Bakhtiari. Um, I think I think they should have done what the Browns did earlier today, though and had Aaron throw his 400 touchdown pass to have it be a fat guy touchdown to David Bakhtiari. That would have been funny. Anyway, totally be a great off. trivia question. Oh, it'd be fantastic. Um, totally off topic. Three quarters of the way through, I think the Packers are the favorite in the NFC. Uh, plain and simple. Um, I don't see why they're not. They beat New Orleans without Devontae Adams. It was early in the year. I do understand that. But it was without Devontae Adams, and they went down to the Super Superdome to do it. Yeah, but uh, the Saints weren't starting their best quarterback in that game. <laughs> uh, I mean, okay. He should, he should be a Packer, right? Yeah, Shut I up. guess. I guess. But no, um, I regret it already. I, think, I really do think that the Packers are the favorite to come out of the NFC, and I think that they should be. Um, they've had a, a few hiccups here or there, but my thing with it is, is – it could be recency bias, and it could be you know me drinking the Kool Aid, I guess. But Aaron Rodgers is playing like the MVP of the league. I don't know why I would ever bet against him. He already show he already showed earlier that he can go down to New Orleans and beat them, um, especially without his top weapon. Uh, I mean, Alan Lazard had a career day uh, against them. Robert Tunyon is really starting to come on even more, giving them another weapon. Um, and just relative health, honestly, if they can just stay healthy, uh, if they can get Corey Lindsley back, that'll that'll be nice. Hopefully he does come back uh, week 17 to knock the rust off against Chicago. But again, we have no idea if that's going to happen. But that's what it's going to come down to is if they can stay healthy. Um, I think their offense can put up points with anyone in the NFC. Uh, if you look at just look at the teams that are in the playoffs right now, you have New Orleans. That's the one seed. They're probably the best defensive unit in the NFC, right? I mean, you have New Orleans, and then Green Bay is a two seed. Then you got the Rams. The Rams are, you know, solid. But, I mean, I still think that they'll figure that out, and they're better than them. Uh, that would be an interesting matchup, though, to watch a Jalen Ramsey versus Devontae Adams. Uh, that would be fun. Uh, the the mm. NFC least, I mean, I know that the Giants just went and beat Seattle, but it's the Giants. Like, come on. Um, and then the three wildcard teams, you have Seattle, Tampa Bay, and Minnesota. Minis losing to Minnesota at home was a fluke because of the weather. Um, that definitely shrunk the gap of, you know, the two, the two talents of the teams. So I'm not really worried about that. Seattle's defense is literally on pace to be the worst in NFL history. So I maybe don't not anymore though. They've played solid the last couple of weeks, but. I mean, I, your point is taken. Well, and I mean, it's, they may not be on pace anymore because they played the Giants this week, and they played <laughs> they played the Eagles yeah. last week, and they played the Jets this next week. So, yeah, their defense <laughs> might might Who get the a hell few drew that schedule up. Like somebody you know. wanted Russell Wilson to win the MVP, and we're like, okay, how can we make this happen? And he played his, uh, two of his worst. Well, he played okay last week, but this week he played horrible. Um, but. You know, Seattle, Seattle's defense, they don't have people that can cover Devontae Adams. Uh, I know Jamal Adams is a shiny, bright toy, but man, in coverage, he's lost. Um, he's a uh, glorified edge rusher, <laughs> honestly. Like, um, as sad as it is, he should just play linebacker from now on. And then, you know, Tampa, we saw Tampa, but that I think that was a fluke. You, Jake, you've said it so many times whenever the Tampa game is brought up that Aaron Rodgers almost threw two pick sixes. That probably doesn't happen again. You know, nope, um, I'll bet I my think, firstborn on it. You know, oh, so oh, uh, the child, the the baby, <laughs> the baby, I will, huh? I will, I will bet the baby child that that will not happen again. Um, you know, so I just, you know. I could be drinking the Kool-Aid, and if you guys disagree with me, that's fine. But I do think that Green Bay is the favorite to come out of the NFC. I, 
I don't necessarily disagree. I wouldn't call them the favorite just because I think New Orleans with Drew Brees healthy is a more complete team, especially if they get to play in that super dump. Um, but there's certainly a lot that has yet to be decided as far as that goes. I will say this, if the season ends now between Green Bay, if Green Bay gets the two seed and has either Minnesota, Arizona, or San Francisco is currently got a shot. I think they're tied in the loss column with those other teams. They play Buffalo tomorrow night. If they get one of those three teams, I think they beat any of those teams. Then in round two, they would face the Rams at Lambeau Field. Jared Goff in the cold, like my chances there. Watch what he did against Chicago in 2018. He he was awful in the cold. And you're talking about the Saints having to play probably Seattle or Tampa Bay in that scenario. Which I think Tampa's lost to them twice, right? They've smashed Tampa both times, but still you think they could maybe beat them up a little bit before. I mean, I like green Bay's chances if that's their path, right? My thought on it is kind of what you said, but I hearken back to a Aaron Rodgers interview from 2016. He was talking to Aaron Andrews before they played the Cowboys going into Dallas. They had won a bunch of games in a row on the run, the table run. They basically said, you know, they were asking him how this has all happened and how everything's going. And he was like, you know, we respect all of our opponents, but we don't fear any of them. And that's how I feel. Whereas last year I was like, you know, I gave the tough guy answer whenever anybody asked, who do you want to play? Well, I'm not afraid of San Francisco. Yes, I was. (laughs) I was tucking my tail and running. (laughs) I wanted no part of that matchup. And I talked myself into the ability for Green Bay to beat them. But ultimately, if Green Bay, name your team. The teams I'm afraid of that make me the most nervous that I'm like, man, I don't know if they can beat them are in the AFC. And really, in the AFC, it's just Kansas City. Like, Kansas City just frightens me just because Pat can go supernova. He can go score for score with this. And score 50 freaking points. And right. they, and they've got Andy Reid. I mean, and Andy Reid is as good as it gets. And I know the Packers beat them last year, but that was with Matt Moore. So I mean, obviously that matters too. You know, the other thing that I, I guess I won't call this concerning, but it is a a trend, and it just is what it is. The next NFC Championship game that Aaron Rodgers plays well in will be the first one. So take that for what it's worth. Um, he just, it's just a, a, a game or for whatever reason, he just hasn't played well in that round and he's going to have to, because like Wag said earlier, you know, when the, when Rogers has played well, the Packers typically win. I can't think of a time where he's played well in a playoff game. Not very often, at least where they, where he's played well in a playoff game and they've lost, and played really well. I mean, like you could say Arizona's well. the only thing. Yeah. Yeah, Arizona in 2009, because in 2015, right. he didn't like, I mean, no. we all remember the two Hail Marys, but like the offense didn't do anything for three and a half quarters. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, we remember the two Hail Marys, but that was really it. So that's my thought. Bring on whoever and whoever, wherever, I don't care, especially this year without fans in the stands. I mean, if Green Bay had to go to the Superdome again, you know, that might be a little bit of a different story with fans in the stands, but there's no fans in the stands. So this year's weird bring on whoever. I think that this Packers team is very good. I think they've proven that. And ultimately I do think they are getting better. Their offense is able to score against whoever. And I think their defense is starting to emerge. You're seeing guys like Darnell Savage start to play better and Rashawn Gary and Kingsley Kiki and Preston Smith. And that's a big one. If, if he can bring back the super Smith brothers, that's something that's going to matter a lot down the stretch. But with that, we're going to move on. We are out of time for today's show. So thank you guys for joining us. Be sure to check us out on Twitter. We are at game on WI Facebook, Instagram, YouTube game on Wisconsin. You can follow me personally. I am at Jacob Westendorf. You can follow Adam. He's at a Westendorf 85. And you can follow Aaron, our special guest and our first ever guest. You'll always have that. Thank you, Aaron, for being that and for putting up with us at Aaron Wagner underscore my original podcast partner and you can find Aaron tell us I mean you do some stuff I mean I'm sure we have some fans that intersect with some uh, interest that you might have yeah if you're a country music fan uh, my sister and I we run a country my condolences music. if you are oh geez yeah uh, if you like Florida Georgia line or not we we cover everything so uh, yeah we have some we have some uh, articles a few podcasts so 
follow me, search raisedonitsblog.com uh, and uh, follow along. And yeah, thanks for the invite, Jay. This was fun. Good to have you guys on. Packers win 30-16 to 16 over the Philadelphia Eagles. Next week, they will take on the Detroit Lions with a chance to clinch the NFC North. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week.